0: Well, good morning and welcome to Crossroads. I am so glad that you have joined us today. What we are talking about today is really, really important. And I'm just going to ask that as we begin to dive in, that you would just be willing to lean in and listen to what God is speaking into your life and to your heart today, because it is all wrapping around and revolving around this concept of the reality that God is love. God is love. God is not someone who uh, does love someone or has love for someone. No, by very definition, God is love. You cannot have true love without God being a part of that. God is the essence of love. It's who he is. And as we dive into week three of our series, Radioactive, we're going to recognize that, boy, a huge element to a faith that has become toxic is highlighted by the trait that it is a faith that has become unloving. And when you take love out of the equation, it's impossible to have a relationship with God that is making a difference. It's impossible to have a relationship that is healthy and vibrant and growing. It's impossible to have a relationship with God that bears fruit, that points people toward the love that he has for each of us, and I would just encourage you to think about the reality that man, we allow roots to grow in our hearts that slowly take us off the path that God wants us, and we don 't like to think about it. the reality that we could be unloving, and yet there are, there are areas I think in our lives that we all struggle with where this creeps into our lives, and instead of truly loving God with all of our heart, soul mind, strength, and strength, including the idea that second just like it is loving our neighbors as ourselves, loving my neighbors with the same love that God has for me. I think what happens is we fall into the trap of instead of loving people with that same love, we become judgmental, we become hostile, we become resentful, we become bitter, we become angry, and suddenly God's love is not flowing out of us like it should. And so I would just encourage you to think about today uh, about the reality of this question and this idea that, man, the, the fruit of my life, it needs to show others that I'm in love with Jesus. Jesus. His love needs to be flowing in me and through me so that others can see that love and be drawn to Jesus. Because if I don't have that love, well, I'll tell you right now, my faith is contaminated. It is toxic. I have to stay focused and keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and never forget the incredible and amazing love that he has for me. And I gotta be honest, as we prepare to to dive into this scripture today, uh, our tagline here at Crossroads is, you are loved. And this is, I think, so desperately important right here, right now, for this time that we find ourselves in in our culture. I think this message, the idea that you are loved, is a message that has never been more important for people to hear because our culture itself has become toxic. Our culture itself is filled with people who don't even realize how desperately and extravagantly they are loved by God. And you guys, as followers of Jesus, as people who are part of his family, as people who are identifying themselves as children of God, who've experienced his love, we have to be a light that shines in the darkness. We have to be a beacon of hope that points people toward the love that God has for them. And it is impossible for us to do that if we don't love each other with the same love that God has for us. So let's think about that as we dive into the scripture today. This whole series is based on 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and I just want to read these five verses to you as we begin this talk together today because the honest truth is we have to avoid all of these pitfalls in our lives if we're going to avoid a faith that becomes toxic, a radioactive, dangerous faith. Here's the, the warning that Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. He says this, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. These are the four main attributes that we're diving into throughout this series. He goes on to say, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. He finishes by saying this, and from such people, turn away. He's saying you can't have anything to do with these people because these are people who claim to know Jesus But their faith is toxic. You guys, they're unthankful, they're unholy, they're unloving, they're unforgiving. Stay away from these kind of people because that is a dangerous faith. And that is a dangerous place to live. We can't allow ourselves to fall into the trap where that is what identifies our faith. We have to stay focused on being thankful We have to be focused on being holy, becoming more like Jesus each and every day. And we have to focus. It is critical that we focus on the truth that I have to love God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength. And I have to focus on loving my neighbor as myself. These are the two greatest commandments. There's nothing more important than this. Jesus laid that out very clearly and in detail. That is what we are called to do. Chase God with everything that I have. Love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, and love my neighbor as myself with that same love that God has for me. That's what we're called to do. And when you take a look at... The words that are used in this passage of Scripture to define what being unloving really is, honestly, it's a sobering concept. And I don't mean to be a downer here, but this is the reality. When Paul says to Timothy, don't allow yourself to be unthankful. Don't allow yourself to be unholy. Don't allow yourself to be unloving. The word that is used for unloving is actually a word that would denote a people without the capability to love. There is no affection. In fact, it very specifically is pointing to a culture and a people that actually is so just completely void of love that there isn't even a family love, like a, a father or mother to their child. That love does not exist. I mean, we're talking about just a culture that has no real idea of what love actually is. A culture with a generation growing up that has never been loved. This is a terrible, terrible picture of a culture and a society that has no idea what it means to bask in the love of God or even to bask in the love that comes from a parent's love for a child. And this is kind of scary because I think about what that looks like in our culture today. If, if I can digress for just a moment, when I think about a culture that's defined by being unloving, having no even basic love for their children, like an animal would have for, for you know, the the child of an animal. I mean, there's a parent-child relationship in the animal kingdom that would be stronger than what, what Paul is identifying here. And guys, I hate to say this, but we see this in our culture today and it's terrifying. It, it's horrifying. I mean, we see a culture today that is, is so debased and so void of this basic love that what are some of the major issues we deal with today? We're dealing with a pandemic of sex trafficking in our country where children are being used for sex. That happens right here in our backyard. You've noticed in the news last month, there's been all kinds of people getting busted by the cops. These police things are coming and and getting these people, and I'm so glad that we're putting a stop to this. We're doing everything we can to stop this, but that means there's a demand for this kind of thing. This is what Paul is talking about when he's saying there is a culture that is filled with so much lack of love that is so devoid of any type of love that it extends down to that family, that, that parent-child relationship. We don't even have love for our kids. Think about all the kids that are growing up with, without parents loving them. They're in the foster system. Guys, we are choosing to abort babies because they're an inconvenience for us and for our lives. That is the lack of love that we have right now in our country. And this has become normal. And I'm just saying, we think that we're okay. We act like everything's all right. And you're saying, well, I haven't done any of that stuff. Yeah, but you know what? Our culture is starting to turn into this place where we have no basic love. And the path that that leads us to is terrifying. When we try to live life without this basic love, it takes us down a path that is vastly different than the life that God has called us to. You talk about a toxic faith, that's a follower of Jesus who is unthankful for what God has done, who is unholy, not caring at all about becoming more like Jesus who is completely unloving, has no real love or commitment to chase after God, does not love their neighbor as themselves, doesn't even have that family love. Boy, that leads to an empty and dark place. And you guys, we have to stay focused, not only on the love that God has for us, but the love that he calls us to share with others. I'm going to start, uh, go back to where we started here. This concept of, of Crossroads saying, you are loved. Man, so many people need to hear that. There are so many people in our culture, in our neighborhoods, that have never been loved that this is a life-changing idea. This is a life-changing concept. I mean, you might be watching this right now and be overwhelmed realizing, I am dearly and extravagantly loved by God. There's nothing I can do that makes God love me any less. God loves me, and there's literally nothing I can do about it. You are dearly and you are deeply loved by God. I want you to know that if you don't hear anything else today, God loves you. And when we encounter his love, it changes everything. I want you to think about that as we dive into this concept today because love, honestly, is the thread that flows through everything in the Christian life that God calls us to be. I love this passage of Scripture in Galatians 5. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what happens in my life, the character traits that go on display when I am in love with Jesus, when I am living the life that he has called me to. And here's what Paul writes about this. He says, but the Holy Spirit... Produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And self control, he says, there is no law against these things. I love that. I mean, we talk about how God brings us freedom. It's because when I'm following Jesus, when I'm loving God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, when my life is laser focused on Jesus and becoming more like him, there is nothing in my life that is breaking any law. There's nothing in my life that causes any guilt or shame. There is no law against living this life that God has called us to. That's why. That's where life is lived to the fullest. God has this purpose. He has this plan for me, a life that is truly free. And it centers around this concept of living out the love that God has for me and reflecting that so others can see it. And I want to challenge you with this first idea here. The fruit of my life should show others that I am in love with Jesus. All of this revolves around love. If I become unloving, that means I have become calloused to the entire reality that God actually loves me. I have forgotten the incredible, extravagant love that he has for me. The sacrifice that he has made so that I can experience life, so that I can experience freedom. And when I become numb to that, I find myself in a dangerous, dangerous place. I don't know if you've ever uh, fallen asleep, woken up in the middle of the night, and you realize that like, your leg was asleep, or your arm was asleep, you slept funny, or anybody else like that, or is it just me? Usually I sleep like this. I think I've shared this before, so my arm will just fall asleep. Sometimes it's my leg. Sometimes I get up and I don't even know that. Has anybody ever done that? You've gotten out of bed and your leg's been asleep, and you're like, whoa, you're like wobbling around. You have no idea. It's disastrous. I think something that's even more disastrous than that is becoming numb and apathetic in my faith, where I'm so calloused, I'm so deadened to the things of God that I that I don't even realize, I don't even care that I'm loved by God. And because I'm disconnected from that love, that love stops flowing through me. I don't experience that love, and no one in my life experiences that love. You talk about a separation from God. You talk about a toxic faith. I have to stay engaged with who God is and never forget the love that he has for me. If I lose focus on that, then that's when my faith can become toxic. The fruit of my life should show others that I I'm in love with Jesus. There can't be any mistake there. It's got to be obvious. Let's talk about this for a second. What is love? Let's just talk about this for a second. And we don't have to start dancing, you know. What is love? We don't have to start doing that, all right? But what is love? I love how it's described uh, in, in four different terms. Uh, In the Greek, in Scripture, the first one is eros. It's that (laughs) erotic, passionate love. And somebody's like, whoa, Pastor Tim, where are we going today? This is fantastic. Yeah, hold your horses, all right? That's one type of description of love, and that's the passionate side of love. Great. Well, there's the next level. It's stergo. That is the family love, like what we've been talking about. That family love that the, the parents would have for their children, it's really important. I mean, that is a strong bond. Then there's phileo, it's that affection or brotherly love. It is a deep friendship. I mean, these are powerful descriptions of really, really important aspects of life. You want your life to be rich and meaningful? You have relationships like this, your life is centered around love. The final one, though, is the most significant, it's agape love. This is volitional love or self-sacrificing love. This is a love that is committed through thick and thin. It's, it's the love that God has for you and for me. I love marriage. I love being part of wedding ceremonies because that's a great reflection of this love that God has for us. That, those moments in a wedding ceremony really are sacred. I know, listen, I get it. I'm the pastor. I officiate the weddings. I get it. Most of you are there for the reception and the party afterwards. I totally get it. But the good stuff happens at that ceremony. So if you're showing up after the ceremony for the reception, shame on you. You missed out. And here's the thing. There's that sacred moment where two people become one, where a covenant is made. And there's an amazing intersection. It's a vertical intersection, and it's a horizontal intersection because there is a covenant made between two people where they are committing to love each other, to be committed to each other for the rest of their lives in good times and bad, in sickness and health, for richer, for poor. which sometimes I slip in for richer, for richer, just because it's fun to say that sometimes. But no matter what, that is a committed love. It's a self-sacrificing love. I'm in this through thick and thin till death do us part. And what makes that bond even more sacred is that in the marriage moment, in that covenant, that's also a vertical covenant that happens between each of those people entering into that marriage covenant and God. It is a sacred moment. And it's a sacred moment that I think on earth comes closest to representing that love that God has for us. He loves you And there is nothing you can do about it. He loves you so much that God sent his son Jesus into this world. He sent him to die on that cross so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So we can experience hope and joy and peace and freedom. That's the kind of love we are talking about. That's not just passionate, erotic love. That's not even family love or brotherly love. That is a fully committed, self-sacrificing love. So when we say you are loved... You are loved by God. That is the deepest, most extravagant love that you could ever hope to experience. God loves you no matter what. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. That gets deep. That gets meaningful real fast. And you guys, that's the kind of love that we're encouraged to encounter with Jesus and then share with the people around us. We are called to love each other with the same love that God has for us. Imagine what the world looks like if we as followers of Christ commit to loving the people in our lives with the same love that God has for me, a self-sacrificing, fully committed love. Man, that's the kind of love that changes the world. I just ask you to consider that for a moment. When you think about the fruit of the Spirit and where that lands, there's an interesting side conversation that happens in the Scripture that, that parallels this. So the question is, what is love? Well, we just kind of identified what love is. Well, how do I love God? Let's start there for a second. When we say Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the greatest commandment. I think a great question to ask is well, how do I do that? What does that look like? And Jesus answers this question in John chapter 15. He says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. If you stay focused on Jesus, your faith will not be toxic. Your life is going to be healthy, you're going to be bearing fruit. People are going to recognize you are in love with Jesus. That is where life is lived to the fullest. He says, For apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen to this, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. This is really interesting to me because I think when you look at the fruit of the Spirit that is listed in Galatians chapter 5, you realize really quickly that love is the thread that flows through each of those attributes. All of those characteristics that Jesus says, hey, these are important, that Paul writes, hey, this is what your life is going to look like if you are tuned in to the love that Jesus has for you love is the thread that goes through all of these characteristics. And what's interesting about them is they're all going a different direction. I think the first three fruits that we see within that list all point upward to my relationship with God. Consider this for a second. Love itself is total commitment. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a moment. It's not even just a family love or a friendship. My love with God and the love that he has for me is total commitment. I am in. We talked about this last week with this idea of what it means to be holy. That means, God, I'm sacrificing myself. I'm giving myself up. It's not what I want. It's what you want. God, when you speak to me, I want to be obedient. And I want to be obedient as soon as I possibly can. When I hear your voice, I want to listen. I want to respond. Jesus, I surrender. I want to become more like you. That's what this committed love, this committed relationship looks like with Jesus. That's where the Christian life is lived to the fullest. That's where you experience the power and the presence of God in your life on a daily basis. And so I encourage you to think about love is that total commitment. Joy, then, is love rejoicing. Because you're in the presence of God. You're able to see what he's doing and you're realizing that no matter what happens in my life, no matter what circumstances I find myself in, I can be filled with joy because I know who I am. I know that I am dearly and deeply loved by God and that changes everything. The third one is peace. Man, this is love trusting. This is me putting my trust, my hope in the promises of God for my life. I love that. I think hope is faith in the future tense. It's me trusting God's promises, not only the ones that he's, he's given me that I can look back and see he's been faithful, but looking ahead in the future and saying, he's been faithful, he's being faithful now, I know he'll be f- uh, faithful in the future. That's hope. It's faith in the future tense, and that is peace, man. It is love, trusting in the promises of God. Well, that's how we love God. Those are the upward fruits, love, joy, peace. Those are all attributes of my direct relationship with God and what my relationship with with him looks like. Well, then here's the second question. How do I love others? Because that's the second greatest commandment. What does that look like? It's important that we know these things, right? Don't leave me hanging here. John 15, Jesus goes on to say, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Love each other the same way that I have loved you. This is deep, and this is meaningful, and this makes a difference. Consider this, the outward fruit, the fruit of my life, being in love with Jesus that engages the people around me. We go to the next set of three, of the three fruits there. It's patience. That's love persevering. That's love not being annoyed so badly that you just desert someone. It's love Boy, persevering, that's what patience really is. You think about kindness, man, that's just love serving. That's recognizing there's someone in my life that is desperate for an encouraging word, for that special touch from God. I can show kindness and be the hands and feet of Jesus in this situation. That's love serving. I love this idea of goodness. and that's just love proving. I'm here. Just that goodness of God overwhelming you, realizing, man, God is good. God is faithful. I have so much to be thankful for. And then sharing that goodness, reflecting that goodness in the, in the lives of the people that God has, God has put us in with. I mean, that is what love looks like. Love is the thread that goes through each of these character traits. So the final question is, how can I make my love grow stronger? Well, Jesus alludes to this as well in, in John 15. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, there's no secrets here. It's all on the table. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, and he circles it again, love each other. So the answer here is how do I make my love grow stronger? Well, I think it's these final three fruits. It's the inward fruit of what's going on inside me, what is happening in my character, and this is how that love is revealed through faithfulness. Man, that's love abiding. That's love acting out full commitment. I am being faithful through thick and thin and the good times and bad no matter what. That's how I'm going to love others because that's the way God loves me. It's that character trait of gentleness. Man, that's love submitting. It's not fighting for my rights or my my fight to be right. That is gentleness. It's love submitting. It's loving others with that same love that God has for me, recognizing I'm going to have their needs be more important to me than my needs. What a beautiful picture of true, committed love. And finally, this idea of self-control is just love restraining. Just because I can do something doesn't mean I should. Instead of being hurtful, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to put all of these things into practice in my life in such a way that it, it changes my character. I can, just, I can exhibit self-control. I can sacrifice my own desires, my own will, and say, God, not what I want, but what you want. And I can love others with that same kind of love that God has for me. I want you to consider this. I'm going to read it again. Galatians 5, and 23. The fruits in our lives... That show we're in love with Jesus. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You guys, more than ever before, people need to see this kind of fruit in our lives. They desperately need to know that they are loved. And the only way we can do that is if we stay laser focused on who Jesus is, who he's calling us to be and love others with the same love that he has for us. And so I want to ask you this final question. Does the fruit of my life show others that I am in love with Jesus? Would you just be honest in your evaluation of yourself today and in the assessment that God has called you to bring? Because his love changes everything and we can be that light that shines in the darkness. Before we go, I ask you this one final thing. Who in your life needs to know that they are loved. Who's the face that God brings to your mind? What's the name that comes right there? Who is it in your life that is desperate to know, they need to know that they are loved? I wanna challenge you this week, share the love of Jesus with them. Love them the same way that God loves you. And let's together share this love with the people around us and let every single person who's desperate for God's love know that they are dearly and deeply loved by him. God, we thank you for your love today. You are good and you are kind. And God, I just ask that you would help us to reflect this great love that you have shown us in the lives of the people that we encounter. You are good, you are faithful, and there is no one like you. So may we be forever changed by your love and let the people know in our lives that they are loved by you. We thank you, we praise you, we pray this in your name. Amen.